You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors 45. And this episode is about stand-up paddleboarding. Yes, folks, it was only a matter of time before we have an episode about stand-up paddleboarding. My guest and your guest today is Una Tibbets from Wild SUP Tours. And we talk in a podcast about stand-up paddleboarding, well, obviously, and uh, how to start and some technical details. But we also talk about Una's expedition to stand-up paddleboard the length of Wild Atlantic Way. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what Wild Atlantic Way is, Wild Atlantic Way is the longest coastal route um, in the world. And Una is stand-up paddleboarding the length of the coast along the route. So that's not a small feat. It's a lot of stand-up paddleboarding. So folks, without any further ado, please welcome Una Tibbets. Hello, Tommy. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you too. Yeah. With us today, Una Tibbets uh, from Wild SUP Tours or Wild Soap Tours. Yep, that's so, the one. So you're going to tell us in a second what that is, what you do. Mm-hmm. And after that, we're going to move into some challenge, I suppose, or some... Um, how do you how do you call it what you're doing there? It's it's uh, it's um event no an an expedition expedition I suppose it's a good word it's a good yeah. word okay listen so so tell our <laughs> listeners what wild SUP tours are and uh, everything and all, about it all that jazz uh so wild sub tours is a stand up paddleboard tour company based in Dingle, um, but we operate in different areas of County Kerry, mm-hmm. um and. The idea is that we take people out into the water using the stand-up boards and just kind of explore and get a chance to, like, be in nature and sort Mm. of just experience it. Because there's something wonderful about the stand-up boards where you're, you're standing there, there's nothing in between you and everything else like even in a mm. kayak there's still the boat around you mm-hmm. on the paddleboard it's just this sort of thin layer and you mm-hmm. fall into the water easily and you jump off <laughs> i presume and... that's a that's an advantage <laughs> of it <laughs> so you the fall t- into the water easily it's good <laughs> it's good and it's also easy to get back on it again mm-hmm. and so like a big part of our tours especially with the teenagers and stuff we take out is just pure messing like people mm-hmm. just jumping around you know, okay. <laughs> having having a laugh, basically. Okay. Um, but yeah, we take people out. We've got short tours, long tours. We do camping trips down in Kenmare Bay. Mm-hmm. They're probably my personal favorite of mm-hmm. our offerings. And it's just totally unplugging for like a long weekend. You're there. You're in this beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, you're paddling on the water. You're eating campfire food and... Wow. 
that's yeah that's, that's pretty special that's great that's Definitely. great and you know what we we'll get into the stand-up paddleboarding uh later on and mm-hmm. dive into technical details okay. about it, right we yep. can we can talk about it <laughs> but i'm i'm much more interested right now and 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 you know i would kind of like to start the podcast with talking about your initiative or your expedition so you're you're yeah. s- you're stand-up paddleboarding i guess yeah wild atlantic way exactly just to raise the awareness of the of the problems we have in the environment and and uh and i'm not gonna be explaining that i'm gonna leave it to okay you, you explain it. <laughs> okay so what i'm doing yeah like you said i'm stand-up paddleboarding the wild atlantic way so from kinsale in cork right around to moff in donegal mm-hmm. and then it's another like six kilometers into Derry. So mm-hmm. I figure I'll paddle all the way to Derry, mm. you know, make a day of it. Yeah. Um, and it, I'll be following the coastline, kind of all the ins and outs. And mm. so it ends up being something like 2000 plus kilometers of coastline I'll cover. Wow. And I'm doing it to raise awareness, environmental awareness. Mm-hmm. But my angle is... Like I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert on climate change or anything, mm-hmm. but it's about beauty and kind of appreciation. Mm. So you're not going to kind of care for anything if you don't care about it. Yes. So I want to help people care more about the planet, I suppose. That's a, that's a very good point that this is, this is where it starts, that someone needs to appreciate the beauty and nature first before it starts caring about conserving it. Because if it's like, if you don't care, you probably don't care all the way. <laughs> that's, that, that's kind of where I was going. And, and I was looking all, at all the articles about climate change and mm. the dead we're looking at and the facts and the figures and the photos of plastic and mm. all the scary stuff anyway i i was looking at all that and i felt kind of frozen Mm. like wanting to do something but not having any idea what or how or if i'd have any impact or if any of it mattered anyway Mm -hmm. um and so i i was having a pint with a friend and we were talking about all this Mm -hmm. and i was interested in doing the paddle at that point Mm -hmm. and we started talking about beauty really mm-hmm. and kind of exploring and the wild atlantic way is kind of a perfect place to do it because it is so rugged and natural and awesome mm. like in the true sense of the word awesome yeah the coastline irish coastline is, is just awesome yeah it's spectacular it's it's a pretty phenomenal one so it seems like a great place to show off the natural beauty we have on mm-hmm. the planet mm-hmm. and just using this coastline as an example of yeah what is here and why it's worth preserving yeah so and people can kind of follow you and uh, just see see the, the i mean follow you on social media obviously and and see the pictures and see everything and and kind of get it and do you yeah. see a lot of on your on your uh, on your paddles you see a lot of this uh uh, you know problems like plastic pollution or anything like that i've i've definitely seen a good bit mm-hmm. um paddling along in the middle of nowhere and like this you know bottle cap floats by and mm-hmm. it's like ah turn around grab it mm-hmm. um so i definitely have seen the plastic side all the time mm-hmm. um just 
like in the water into the water Mm. um on the beaches kind of caught in the seaweed Mm -hmm. you'll see stuff even just floating around you'll see fishing buoys everywhere like yeah crap exactly attached to where they should be in Mm -hmm. the water being used and then like halfway up a cliff wedged mm-hmm. in between some rocks mm-hmm. and it's like why is that there that's mm-hmm. bonkers and just bits of rope everywhere and yeah bottles and yogurt uh, ridiculous yeah. but it's it's not just about the garbage like it's mm-hmm. easy to kind of focus on that because mm-hmm. it's so visible it's so easy to see um and, and it's so glaring it's so glaringly unnatural i say oh what's this thing to do exactly there's, there's supposed to be pink in this place <laughs> right right like whoa it's blue what? Ah, it's all wrong um but this is so it's it's more than just the pollution mm-hmm. it's about climate change kind of as a whole because mm-hmm. that's I don't know. That's like the primary threat that we're facing at the moment, it Mm. seems, as far as I can tell anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'll just, I don't know, appreciate what we have and And, do better. And listen, so you you think that um, people kind of through following following along they there can then just like make next step and kind of look at it. Okay, what we can do to preserve it or just raise awareness like hey this is so fragile and and might be gone right what yeah what i'm what i'm kind of hoping for through this is so the social media stuff is essentially photos and videos of mm-hmm. of what i'm experiencing mm-hmm. the good the bad the ugly mm-hmm. um and i'm hoping that people will kind of see that and go wow this is a pretty awesome place and mm-hmm. maybe just stop and think for a minute yeah and even pick the pick the piece of plastic they found while they're walking on the beach exactly like there's loads of initiatives going going on at the moment like i think it's three for the earth or something and mm-hmm. it's just the idea that anytime you go to the be- beach you pick up three pieces of plastic and mm-hmm. take it away with you mm-hmm. it's not hard it's quick it's easy mm-hmm. it's not even messy yeah. Like you could be getting sand in your car anyway if you're mm-hmm. at the beach. <laughs> um and it yeah. makes a small impact, but if everybody does it, then yes. it can have a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. And the same kind of goes with climate change, I'd like to think is mm-hmm. we as consumers drive what industry does by yes. our buying habits. Mm-hmm. So if we support companies that are yeah. having less of a negative impact or yeah, and do you have any of that those kind companies of kind of sponsoring you or kind of like a sticker? Say, hey. I I've got a little bit of that going mm-hmm. on. Um, Origin protein bars—they mm-hmm. have some exciting stuff. I'm not allowed to say what it is yet, but they've got exciting stuff in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, they're announcing this summer, mm-hmm. and so they've sponsored me with their protein bars, and their mm-hmm. whole thing is just like real food mm-hmm. as opposed to all these scary additives you yeah. find nowadays just oh like god yes things you want to eat like yeah. what we're supposed to eat mm. in a protein bar i i read somewhere that, that our our uh, like a grand grand parents would would have a trouble to recognize stuff that we're buying as edible it's probably like, is, with, is, are you yeah. eating this <laughs> <laughs> this is not this is not bacon this, this <laughs> is not how bacon looks like <laughs> exactly like what are you doing to yourself um the other crowd is 
big sport Mm -hmm. they are a water sports kind of manufacturing company they're based in france um they have a worldwide presence though it's the same crowd that do the pens and the razors and everything Mm. um but they've started creating a whole line called Bic Earth and they do surfboards and stand-up paddle boards mm-hmm. and they are made with renewable sort of natural resources. Oh. So it still has the foam core mm-hmm. for buoyancy, but then it's instead of coated in plastic or resin, mm-hmm. it's coated in polonia wood, oh. which is a renewable right. timber mm-hmm. that creates the vernier and then the rails are flax fiber and Mm -hmm. the deck pad is cork and they're beautiful like they're just aesthetically gorgeous but Mm -hmm. they're also less harmful kind of as an impact because part of the problem with most industries really but stand-up paddle boarding in this case is the equipment is kind of awful a lot of the case loads of toxic resins and polystyrene and plastic and neoprene and Mm -hmm. you can't do anything with neoprene it just Mm -hmm. goes in a landfill Mm -hmm. so there are people who have started uh kind of upcycling old wetsuits and turning them into handbags and backpacks and whatnot and so that's cool and so we donate our old school wetsuits to that kind of initiative Mm -hmm. um and then supporting the brand's that make the boards that are trying to minimize their negative impact. Yeah. So Big Sport is one of them. Starboard has quite a good kind of eco thing going on. Mm-hmm. Infinity. There's a few other companies, but there yeah. are people trying. Yeah. And I, and I suppose to your point, a lot of, uh, because this is, this is another good point, that a lot of uh, equipment that, that we people who are in the into outdoors using is actually like you said kind of nasty plasticky stuff yeah. um not long ago i had a i had a um uh lady uh on the podcast we were talking about uh cycling and bicycles mm-hmm. and uh and 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 one of the thing was um that cycling industry needs to kind of you know up their game in terms of recycling because it's mm. it's not so much you know you're not gonna change the materials like you said you you gotta have a, like a like a foam for buoyancy right. in the bars like and you will have a carbon fiber in the frame of the bicycle but now what you do with that right how right. can you so yeah. just like you yeah. said so it's not gonna end up in the landfill but like let's do something with it either for upcycling or ever you know just have a program of actually taking that away and and doing totally. something something else with that, that so so i yeah. i guess this is this is the trend now in the in a sports industry to do things like that i think people are starting to become aware of these issues and that the amount of rubbish we're producing is just Mm. crazy and producing the rubbish then those carbon footprint impacts and then what do you do with the rubbish once it's there and then Mm -hmm. oh yeah because it's it's, way too much yeah it's it's all the transportation and everything that goes into production of it and then moving it around and, and and all that We'll have Wally what? World. Yeah. Yeah. What's your what's your what's your take on the on the on the climate change? It seems like you know, I I, I follow that that discussion for for some time, and it seems to me like there are like a two two camps really. There are one camp yeah. that is labeled deniers. Yeah. And there is another camp that is called <laughs> alarmists. Yeah. Right. And and I suppose uh, uh, and then there's everything in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right. So. 
I guess my point is like we don't we don't we don't have idea what to do with it. What's your right. what's, what's your take on that? Because like if if you listen to you know if you if you look at the you know alarmist camp, then it's like well okay we're done, right? <laughs> we're just all screwed anyway. So why bother? Um, I've been reading a book that is called The Uninhabitable Earth mm-hmm. by a guy called David Wallace Wells, and he's been researching climate change in depth for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how long. Um, and so what the book does is it kind of just breaks down what the scientific models say we're going to get mm-hmm. from kind of best case scenario to worst case mm-hmm. scenario. And the alarmists don't seem that far mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. There's some very scary statistics in this book. And as I'm reading it, I'm like horrified and like, oh my God, but like really excited. And it's like a real page turner. I'm like, what happens next? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, we're all going to (laughs) die. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll figure it out. I, I have no real solutions for what we might do. But it seems like if we want to avoid serious misery and hardship we need to like overhaul the system and mobilize the way we did for world war ii in the next decade it -hmm. seems like the next decade is like make or break and Mm -hmm. if that doesn't create real shifts Mm -hmm. in the way the world kind of operates it's not looking great Um, like the last time the world was four degrees warmer than it is today, there were mm-hmm. palm trees at the North and South Pole mm-hmm. and basically everything in between was desert. Mm-hmm. And then the deniers go, oh, climate change, it's not real. Or if it is real, it's not caused by humans. Like whatever, I, I'm i no expert, like I said, but humans weren't around the last time the world was four degrees warmer mm-hmm. and it doesn't look like we'd oh, yeah, be able we, to survive we, we in general just just <laughs> just 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 arrived right? exactly <laughs> we're just so young we're so young <laughs> and the world has been pretty stable and yes there are minor fluctuations here and there you get the mini ice age or it was a bit warmer around the vikings but hmm. overall like yeah. It's been very stable for. Mm. I, you know, I would I would say around. that given given what we're doing and the uh, kind of global impact that we're having, because we are a global species, right? Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Totally, it's, yeah. It's almost expected that we will affect climate in in some way, right? It's it's almost like like what do you mean we're not doing this? Like it's expected that we we will have an impact on it because <laughs> because there's so many of us, we've overrun the place. Like of course we're having an impact. We're having an impact on on forests and mm. if you cut down the forest then the carbon mm. doesn't get absorbed as well mm. and it, there's all yeah. these like feedback yeah. loops and yeah. it just it seems really obvious to me. Mm. What's it? What's the book the, again? The Uninhabitable Earth. Okay. Life after warming is the okay. kind of subtitle. All right, great. Yeah. I, I, I can I'll, show it to you afterwards. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. I'll just, just you know even for the benefit an, of our listeners. It's so. a it's a very interesting read. Mm-hmm. I would totally recommend it just to kind of prepare right. yourself. Right. And it goes, it kind of looks at the models by the end of the century. So the mm-hmm. twenty end of the twenty at the beginning of the 22nd century mm-hmm. that's what it was oh, called okay, okay, so okay, like okay. by 2100 <clears throat> okay. so that's only 80 years away mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 
best case scenario is 25 holocaust worth of dead and that's mm. best case scenario mm. and we kind of privileged people in the north and the west will kind of get away with it the longest because we have the money and we're in cooler parts of the world yeah and we've got the money to bounce back from these storms that are going to start coming more regularly mm -hmm. And it's a shame because we're the ones that have created most of the pollution <laughs> in the first place. And then it's going to be all the developing countries around mm. the equator that get hit yeah. the hardest. Yeah. And they're not going to that's be able a, to that's a, that's a huge argument, right? That the measures, like uh, anti measures that's supposed to prevent climate change will actually uh, kind of um, stop develop or or hinder development of the development countries they're going to be the harder they're the hardest right yeah and, yeah and and this is this is one of the arguments like well great and and there's a lot of people who are just making even making the argument that all that you know climate change programs are effectively you know again driven by you know west and and and, and privileged people right. just to hinder the expansion of the of oh. the developing countries who can just totally it's so unfair like and like global poverty is down and global hunger is down and the middle class is rising all over the world mm. and there's lots of good things happening right now but all of that rise is coming from fossil fuel mm -hmm. um yep use yep. and the fossil fuel use will it's not a good idea to take to pull right. to, to take yeah. all that carbon that's in the earth like... and pull it out and burn it it's not a good idea <laughs> and then it gets in the atmosphere and then and apparently the pollution that we're getting from cities is actually helping with keeping the temperature like lower mm-hmm so it's bad for lung disease and for death by pollution, but it's lowering the overall temperature. So some <laughs> people are like, we should just spray more pollution in the atmosphere. And it's like, no. that's not a good solution at all. <laughs> that's not a good solution. <laughs> all right. Listen, let's go, let's go back to, anyway. to, to your, to yes, your, to your trip. Expedition. <laughs> so, but you're not doing that on the one go, right? It's, a, it's like a, you're taking one leg at a time, depending on the weather and, and everything else. Else. exactly so stand-up paddleboarding is a very weather dependent sport because mm -hmm. you're stand stood up on the board you're a huge target for wind mm -hmm. so as and you only have the power of your arms basically to propel yourself so if you're paddling into a strong headwind or crosswind or it it just gets hairy if the mm. wind gets too strong could you basically. sit on that board and pedal totally um, I know so, it's not stand-up paddleboard, then <laughs> technically it's sit-down paddleboard. Sit the other day I was crossing from the north side of the Mizzen Peninsula directly across to Castletown Bear, which is about 20 kilometers of open water. Mm -hmm. And the wind was a strong southeasterly, strong for paddleboarding, not for mm -hmm. sailors. It was about 15 knots, I think. Mm -hmm. So it was directly behind me. It was perfect. I lined it up. It was just like, go for it. Mm -hmm. Um it took about four hours to cross and there wasn't any land to pull into to take a break or anything. Yeah. So after about an hour, I'd sit down for 15 minutes, have right. some water, sit there, kind of right, right. just make sure I was pointing the right direction. Right. How, phys then, how physical, how physical that is that compared to, to other, um, because I suppose like a sur surfboard, surfboarding, is it, is it the word? Uh, surfing. Surfing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> surfing. Um, 
I was just con get confused. <laughs> All these boards. Yeah. All these boards. <laughs> Board sports. So, so I suppose surfing is like only kind of short amount of time where you're actually doing something, right? And then you're catching yeah. a wave and so on and so on. Um, but in a stand-up paddleboarding, is is almost like a like a. I I, I have a friend who, his brother. Uh, Cross the Baltic Ocean on oh, the wow. on the on the uh, surfboard on the windsurfing board. Wow! Yeah, okay. Max Fuichik. Yeah, and um, so that's that's incredibly physical, right? Because you're you're you 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 you're need to the yeah, you're controlling the board. You need to you need to kind of wrestle with the with the sail and and all and all that. But it seems sure. to me like a stand-up paddle boarding could can be quite physical as well because. You're you first of all you're standing all the time and you're propelling yourself using power of your arms and plus you're balancing on the board and the wind and everything else, right? It's so sometimes yes, it is always a full body workout because <laughs> the paddling itself is arms and core predominantly mm -hmm. and a good bit in your back and shoulders. And then your legs are always doing kind of micro movements to mm -hmm stay balanced like you mm -hmm. said so in that it does use the whole body but it's quite low impact mm. i find i'm very rarely ever sore okay. after paddling even so one day on this adventure i was paddling for nine but you're hours a professional. you're doing that for many many years right <laughs> i guess so i think most of our customers at the business yeah, some people probably walk away a bit like, whoa, my shoulders are mm. sore. But, well, with the business anyway, we don't push anybody hard. We take it handy. It's kind of like yeah. going for a walk. Yeah. Um, it can, though, be quite physical. Yeah. So the other day when I was crossing over... Well, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You were, you were four hours on the damn thing. Right. And the waves were... I had like a big enough kind of southwesterly swell coming in mm -hmm. with mixed with the wind fetch from the southeast, yes. which created waves a couple feet tall just because it was Whoa. moving over such a distance of open mm -hmm. water so i was getting all these weird peaks so the water was really like woo. Mm. so my legs were bent and actively kind of absorbing the shock they were wow. like the shock absorbers sure sure and that definitely was i was like wow that was a workout like i broke a sweat yeah doing that yeah um and then using the paddle to balance as well because it becomes like a third mm -hmm. point of contact in the water mm -hmm. so you can use that to kind of brace yourself against the wave there and support yourself over here and then right paddle harder to catch the wave and go down it and yeah so it can be quite physical but then you can also do it quite in a easy manner. relaxing I like paddleboard paddleboarding because it is so versatile in that mm. way. Like a novice can get on the first time ever, jump mm. on, and within ten minutes be pretty happy mm -hmm. covering five to six kilometers in a couple mm -hmm. hours and yeah. getting a real sense of what it's all about. Mm -hmm. But then you can also train your whole life and people do crazy things with them. They go down like waterfalls and rapids and they <laughs> surf huge waves and they do yeah downwind paddleboarding there's a race from oh. it's called molokai to oahu and it's in between two of the hawaiian mm -hmm. islands and they just downwind it's oh. 50 some miles i think and oh. it's just over the course of oh. a day and they're just like yeah. and you can you get and... so so you can get in trouble easily at sea 
if you're not careful, right? Because yeah. because is is it possible that the wind and swell will be working to the you know so strongly that you won't be able to paddle your your way back into the land and that is in, that possible? In theory it absolutely is. Yeah. Wow. So what you do is or what I'm doing to negate the chances of mm -hmm. getting adrift in the Atlantic Ocean is just keeping a really close eye on the conditions. Mm -hmm. So there's four different kind of weather forecasting apps I mm -hmm. use and I'm checking wind, swell, tide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are kind of the main ones I keep an eye on, the yes. wind, the swell and the tide. Um I don't really care if it's sunny or rainy. It's always nice yeah. when it's sunny, yeah. but yeah. That doesn't matter too much. And and do you carry with yourself uh, like a like a radio or some? Uh, so okay. I've got a VHF radio right. um, that will connect me with the Coast Guard and any other boat around. Mm -hmm. I've got what's called a personal locator beacon hmm. that is registered to me, mm -hmm. so I yeah. can just pull out an antenna, press a button, and the Coast yes. Guard knows it's an emergency situation. Sure, sure. And then every morning before I launch, I call the Coast Guard. And I tell them uh -huh. where I am, where I'm going, and how long I expect it so to take. So pretty much like boating. It's totally, yeah, same deal. Hmm. Um, and I, like the other day when I was out, the Coast Guard came on with the weather, sea area forecast, that's what it's mm -hmm. called. And they were yeah. like, there is a small craft warning, right. blah, blah. And, then they and you are pretty much small craft, lady. I'm definitely a small craft. <laughs> So when I got in that day, I called the Coast Guard and I was like, I made it to land. It's all good. I'm in Castletown Bear. And the guy was like, are you going out tomorrow? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And he was like, here's what you should do. <laughs> Stay in Castletown Bear for a few days. Mm -hmm. Have a couple beers. <laughs> enjoy yourself. Get back to it later. And I was like, right. okay, Richard from the Coast Guard, it's a deal. <laughs> so yeah i'm here yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good very good okay yeah. so and how how you're you're halfway through how how far are you already not that far mm -hmm. i'm probably just short of about 200 kilometers mm -hmm. i've covered most of county cork mm -hmm. coastline so far mm -hmm. um so within the next two days i'll probably be in Kerry. Mm -hmm. Kerry will take about two weeks mm -hmm. and then Claire is about a week, Galway's about a week, Mayo's about a week, Sligo's mm -hmm. half a week. Yeah. Um Leitrim's like yeah. half a day. But it's a dur then, duration rather than the time because you may if if you hit the like a like a window of bad weather then you might I might sit be grounded. Yeah, totally. And mm. the coastline of Clare, say for example, mm -hmm. is totally exposed. Yes. So for that week, I'm going to need like to get that done in a week, it's mm -hmm. going to have to be a Mm -hmm. baller week yeah and then once i get into mayo and galway there's a lot more shelter from islands yes so then it's a bit more flexible and do you do you is, is the idea that you're gonna do that one one after another or you perhaps you know leave claire for later and go and then, somewhere else and and kind of stitch them together <laughs> the one that that was way definitely a conversation i've had mm -hmm. um so ed my partner he He's a local surfer guy. He knows Irish weather and water quite well. And mm -hmm. he was advocating for something like that mm -hmm. just for kind of practicality's sake yes. and getting it done within a reasonable time. Mm -hmm. But my background's theater. So I was all like, but the narrative of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, oh my God, Una. But so at the moment mm -hmm. it is 
just A to B and mm-hmm. a few days off here, a few days off mm-hmm. there and then keep going from where I left off. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to do it that way for the sake of the narrative. Mm-hmm. But if it just looks like right. it's you're, totally you're, unachievable, you're, you're I'm never willing do, you're to... You'll never get past Claire. <laughs> right. I'm willing to be flexible and kind of rethink it mm. if it looks like it'll never happen. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So right now, when you think you're going to finish? I'm hoping to be done by the end of July. Oh, yeah so pretty good plan yeah that's pretty good it's 66 days of paddling paddling Mm -hmm. around 30 kilometers a day Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping yeah that i've not covered those 30 kilometers every day and then i've had some days off yeah Oh. yeah we'll see we're gonna, we, we'll see how it goes we're, I'm hoping we're gonna to be, be tracking you and we're gonna be we're gonna be awesome. you know uh <laughs> looking so and do you have any stuff with you on the because this is one of the thing on the on the paddleboard and we're gonna get into the paddle boarding a little bit more i think yeah unless unless there's anything else about the about the uh, paddle boarding stand up paddle boarding i guess wild atlantic <laughs> way that we haven't covered yet is there anything else that we should talk about um Not really. Like, yeah, we covered why. Just appreciation. It's kind of my ode to yeah Mother Earth, I suppose. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. You put it nicely. Um, that's good. And just... And the tool of choice yeah. is a stand-up paddleboard stand because it's paddleboard. your business. It's my business, and and you see this cool. as also also kind of like a like a advertisement for your business, no doubt. Yeah, that like that would be a great kind of sub. Mm. you know added bonus right. shall we say if right right and paddleboarding is quite new in ireland mm-hmm. so i think this will be good for the sport in this country in general just yeah. to raise awareness for oh, what no it doubt. is there is a there is a you 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 get a, a some good coverage of your of your uh, um challenge yeah. you know like this yeah. podcast but also Definitely. but, but yeah. also but also <laughs> you, you 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 met with some other people and i read blogs about about your, your... yeah i spoke is to... there much interest there seems to be some interest there's another guy who is prone paddling so he's mm-hmm. lying down on right. a board and he's circumnavigating ireland going point to point whoa um and he's raising money for cancer for mm-hmm. the irish cancer society mm-hmm. and like fair play nathan that's his Mm -hmm. name um he's a few days ahead of me Mm -hmm. and so everybody's kind of confused like if they aren't familiar with paddleboarding and the different disciplines within it they're like wait where who what what's (laughs) going on there's too many of you at once it's all confusing (laughs) and it's just sort of weird coincidence Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we actually launched he launched from inchidani and i launched from kinsale on Mm -hmm. the same day oh and it, and then the other day when I was going around Mizzen, I mm-hmm. met three kayakers who were paddle, mm-hmm. paddling around Ireland to raise money for the RNLI. Right. And so I guess it's just like... It's a popular endeavor just the to moment. go around Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's the next uh, type of uh, uh, watercraft <laughs> that yeah, you're going exactly. to circumvent? Well, we met a guy who was sailing around ireland last summer in a mm. laser right. one of those tiny little sailboats mm-hmm. wow um and then nula moore from dingle the open ocean swimmer she mm. was involved in a swimming relay race a wow. number of years ago mm. and they went around ireland right 
So well, I it's suppose a thing, it's, I guess. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a yeah. small island, so we can just go it's around a, it. And it's apparently the eighth largest island in the world. I... Eighth largest. Yeah. yeah, you're actually right. It's not that it's, small. It's yeah, it's smaller than. I think Madagascar it's 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 Australia. Yeah, stuff, it's but. it's it's small when you you know you can you can drive from coast to coast in one day, but then. The coastline is is quite the kind of rugged, and it's like totally. when it when it comes so to length of the else. coastline, I wouldn't say it's it's probably it's enormous. Yeah. yeah, it's enormous. Like so, the guys who are going circumnavigating, they're going to cover about fifteen hundred kilometers Whoa. in their journey. I'm going in and out and following the coastline, so I'm going to cover at least two thousand, and Whoa. I'm only doing half the country. Right. And I'm yeah. not even going into all the little nooks mm-hmm. and crannies. And is it is it because this is this is how you decided to do or is it because on the stand up paddleboard you have to be very close to the shore and 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 follow the coastline? There's some of both really. Yeah. Um cuz you, you can take a shortcut it's like I'm just, just cut it jump across exactly. Yeah. Um like I did the other day. So if the wind is with me I will mm-hmm. kind of just jump across. But mm-hmm. Honestly, those open ocean crossings, unless there's like a pod of dolphins with you, it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's just like cool water, yeah. and like water's amazing, but if it's, you're it's if you're like, like a five desert. hours on it, <laughs> right? It's just like it's flat, it's blue, um, kind of kind of like a desert. Yeah, but water. Um, so it's more interesting to follow the coastline, I yeah. find. And then you also get the added benefit of the shelter. Yes. And so... And do you see people kind of waving at you? Or... The, uh, sometimes, yeah. Mostly confused. Not so much waving. It's just mm-hmm. like, What's what that? is going off? What? <laughs> Who are they? Why are there bags on the board? Because I've got bags on the board, that's rare enough. So people know I'm doing something more than just. Yeah, I was gonna like ask about that. Yeah, so you yeah. have so you have a bag. So these yeah. are like bags dedicated for stand up paddle boards. Special they're, bags, or are you just? They're just it? dry bags. They're, I've okay. got two sixty liter dry bags. Okay. That um, Sola wetsuits right. I got from and it's them. Like, and it's like because I thought that obviously there will be like a like a shed load of like a specialized bags for stand up, or is it just not popular? Enough. there probably is um mm. it's hard enough to get all that specialized equipment in ireland it mm. all has to get brought in from the uk or france or yeah like in america i could get anything and everything and all the most random gadgets you never yeah really needed but <laughs> now you want just because yeah. they exist um but here in ireland everything has to come in from yeah. elsewhere there was one company that was based in dublin called mara that did wetsuits and mm-hmm. my paddle is a mara paddle mm-hmm. um and they closed last year which was kind of a shame and oh. they were the only actual manufacturers in ireland that did wow any of that kind of that's a bummer equipment yeah, yeah. which is kind of a shame yeah. so so let's go into the stand-up paddleboard okay and I, the sport uh, the sport and i i heard uh i heard a. Uh, uh, someone talking about stand-up paddleboarding that this is type of sport that if we wind back time mm-hmm. from to the to the moment where you know uh, to the start of civilization and and let it go again, mm-hmm. certain things would be discovered again, right? We would we would discover probably hunting again and bow. Right, we have we, to eat. Yeah, we would discover <laughs> probably we would discover a wheel and a car again. 
Yeah. And the guy was arguing that stand-up paddleboarding is definitely not something that would be discovered <laughs> again. <laughs> discovered again. Um, is there like other other board sports are kind of taking shots at stand-up paddleboarders? It's like, yeah, you, you guys are like weird or something, making fun of you. Or I something. think there is kind of an element of that. There's a fair bit of animosity in there. Um, paddleboarding is kind of like the new kid on the block. It didn't get popular until kind of the late 90s, just mm. sort of in California. Mm -hmm. And then it hasn't exploded and in the rest of the world until the 2000s. Mm. So it is quite a new sport yeah. in its modern form. But people have been standing on floating bits of stuff, propelling themselves with a stick forever. Do you know, this, so... is, this is what I was thinking, you know, <laughs> as, as, as much as the, that concept of winding back time and then standard paddleboard will never be invented again is kind of fun. This is exactly what I was thinking. Like, well, it's not that weird because you kind of... You know, like a log in the water and totally. you're trying to get there and you stand up on that log and it's just a little bit too short. So what you're going to do, you're just going to push yourself, you know, you push yourself along. There's totally um, historical evidence of I don't know the history particularly well, but in uh, South America, I think the Pacific coast of South America, mm -hmm. they have these kind of cool reed boats oh. and they would stand on those and propel themselves along with a stick and fish off of it yeah or in africa along the rivers of africa i mm -hmm. think there's evidence of people mm -hmm. in kind of like again yeah. kind of long narrow floating yeah logs like you sit like you're you sitting in a boat and, and and using your oars this is kind of like a similar thing. right or you kind of standing except when you stand up you have a much better vantage point of what's mm. around you yeah. so one of the causes of animosity between traditional surfing mm -hmm. and stand-up surfing mm -hmm. is that the stand-up paddleboarders are slightly farther in out to sea because mm -hmm. the boards are bigger so they mm -hmm. can catch the waves earlier mm -hmm. and they have a better vantage point so they can see what's coming so mm -hmm. they can position themselves to be in the right place to catch all the waves uh -huh. so then the surfers are annoyed because they're not catching all the waves because they can't <laughs> get off see my what's wave. coming and then there's exactly that that goes on get off my wave and the supporters will be wave hogs and douchebags about it mm. and that's them mm -hmm. being douchebags mm -hmm. but they just because of that height difference, yeah. they can see what's coming better. Yeah. I was I was talking. I, I had on the podcast. Do you do you know Wild Adventure Way? Caroline. Caroline. Yeah, yeah. I know Caroline yeah. well. Yeah. So I had a Caroline. Caroline was on the podcast as well, and we we were talking about various types of surfing and stand up paddleboarding. Yeah. And, and she said like, well, you would like it because you can put stuff on a board, <laughs> and if you like fishing, you can put your fishing gear on it, and People you just and, yeah. and you can just reach all those you know like you said nooks and crannies and and mm -hmm. places that are otherwise unreachable you know like a like a little you know like a cliffs or kind of like a little fjords almost like we have here that and are when, too small for boats yeah and, and you and you're rock hopping on to, it and it's yeah. really dangerous and and really sketchy sometimes to walk on those because mm -hmm. they're they're steep and they're sure. sharp yeah and if you fall especially that's, here in ireland yeah, yeah that's uh well yeah it's like um I had I had a guy on a podcast actually that 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 podcast goes up up tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. When we talk about rock hopping and fishing heavy ground. Wow. Yeah. So that's bold. And, yeah, and <laughs> and Carol is like, well, you will like that. And I was like, yeah, actually, you can put all your those those bags and and reach those those. Points. There's a there's a sub manufacturing company in Florida called Boat B O T E, mm-hmm. and they have quite a strong focus on sup fishing so they've created all these like attachment points on the board and these gadgets there's like a cooler that you can sit on that gets strapped to the board that's specifically now you got my interest (laughs) now you got my interest and there's this like rack thing that slots Mm -hmm. in the back with Mm -hmm. rod holders that Mm -hmm. you can slip your rods into yeah. and then there's yeah. like a paddle yeah also i guess it's a little bit it's a i guess it's a, it's a little bit like a kayak fishing yeah kayak fishing is very popular except i can tell you that i see as an angler mm-hmm. i see advantage with with standing because when you're standing you can cast better mm. you can cast sure better. yeah yeah. Well, on the on that the kayak, even sense. you know those fishing kayaks, there are there are sit on top kayaks. So in theory, you can stand on it, but it's not really designed to be standing right. on it because they kind of it would probably be a bit unstable. It would be unstable. It'll be unstable. Yeah. So I can see advantage on the stand up. <laughs> Is it like soup? Is it how it's called? Soup. Sup. Yeah. Sup. Right. Or people refer to it as sup. Okay. Or they refer to it as. Yeah, yeah, but I do stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but if, if I wanted a kind of sound, you know, like I know what Sub. I'm talking about. Sub, yeah. right? Subboarding. Subboarding. <laughs> Sub fishing. Sub fishing. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. I start to like it already because I, I see that advantage over kayak kayak fishing because you can stand and you can cast better. Yeah. And then you can always sit down when you're when exactly. you're tired. Yeah. You and you can have all choices. your stuff with you. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah. it's probably less. Uh, more prone to bad weather than the kayak right you i, I presume you can that, you can tackle more swell and 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 kind of slightly you know worse weather on a kayak than i the, would think that would be true yeah mm-hmm. because you're standing up you're more of a target for wind so mm-hmm. as soon as you just sit down yeah. like if it gets windy i just sit down mm-hmm. can you paddle then you can paddle, but you don't get quite as much like oomph mm-hmm. from your strokes. Should you, should you have like a separate separate paddle just for paddling while they, you're sitting? They they've made this kind of like weird attachment mini paddle that you can slip oh. on to the handle side and then paddle like while you're a sitting. kayak. Oh, so they've definitely approached that. I don't have one. I think okay. it's a little gimmicky, but. Mm-hmm. I can when I'm sat down being yeah. able to but you're not paddle fishing you you're not fish you're not doing sub fishing right no <laughs> so I'm not doing sub fishing that's why. <laughs> I'm not much of a fisherman um, that's I'd go hungry if I was dependent on my fishing skills <laughs> I think <laughs> and is it what's the what's the worst weather what's the worst worst uh, sea that you can tackle or maybe that you already have tackled before the worst conditions I've been out in. Would be a toss-up. It was either crossing from Mizzen to Castletown Bear. Mm -hmm. um, As I got closer to Castletown Bear, just because the fetch from the wind was traveling over 20 kilometers, it just got quite big. Mm -hmm. Or when I was going around Galley Head, um, Mm -hmm. farther east in Cork, there was an easterly wind coming essentially all the way from the UK. Wow. So the wind was traveling across quite a large expanse and it was creating waves that were about four 
probably four feet high. Wow. Um, and that was pretty rough. But it was still sunny and the wind was still behind me, so right. it was okay. So there was no danger. That... It, yeah, I didn't feel like I was in danger. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The south coast of Ireland, by all accounts, is the easiest part of this yeah, journey. Yeah. So as I start going north, um, mm-hmm. Slay Head at the end of the Dingle Peninsula, mm-hmm. those waters can be very treacherous. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, really? You just, that sound in between the Blaskets and Slayhead, oh. you have to catch at the right tide or you'll be going backwards. And if the wind is wrong, then mm-hmm. you can just go out into the open yeah. ocean. Yeah. <laughs> um, or some of the waters, some of the headlands up around Donegal. Or, yeah, I was going to say Donegal will be, a, will be a challenge. Yeah. So there's yeah. definitely potential to be out in hairier weather, but I'm hoping to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Just... How much of the knowledge you like a sailing knowledge you 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 have because this is this is like to me this is the biggest difference between between surfing and 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 sup right that because surfing has this kind of local nature i go on the beach as mm-hmm. a waves and i'm just going in and out on the beach and, and you're go, in the one spot well, and... well what you're doing is like a, you're actually out there you're traveling at the sea so you're taking taking uh, into consideration wind and the direction of swells and whether wind is against the swell or not and all that do you do you have any any like a formal preparation or do you just learn all that as you go along there's an element of just kind of learning as i go i'm from the desert originally <laughs> like water is relatively new to me i always loved the ocean <laughs> but like i certainly didn't grow up near it i didn't mm-hmm. grow up in it um i didn't i don't know anything about sailing mm-hmm. the whole like navigation mm-hmm. thing and but you know everything about the wind direction and, and and how wind works with the with the tide that you know i've that's... and i've learned that just in the last few years since mm-hmm. setting up wild sub tours um and by the end of this journey i'm gonna be a lot better at it than i am now (laughs) so you're learning as you go i'm learning as i go and i'm talking to local people as Mm. i go so the first night i stayed with a local surfer and then i stayed with a local open ocean swimmer and Mm. then the last guy i stayed with was in the coast guard in skull and Mm -hmm. he pulled out his navigation charts and all the gadgets and got i got some really great kind of local knowledge about the water in those areas from the people i was staying with yeah and so i'm going to keep doing that as i go along just stopping Mm -hmm. in talking to fishermen talking to Mm -hmm. other water sports people sailors exactly and just getting a sense of what the potential hazards are Mm -hmm. and then what to knowing look for. how to avoid yeah, them yeah, yeah. listen yeah. so if someone lo- listens to that podcast and he goes like he or she goes like well i would like to really start and try to do that so how, how what's this what's a starting point what's, for trying stand-up paddleboarding yeah. i would say it's always it's always good to try to try it if you can um, but go with, don't just rent a board, go mm-hmm. take a lesson from someone. 
or okay. or take a tour or something. So it's not a matter of just go to the to the sports sporting goods shop, buy a standard paddleboard and then paddle and just off you go. And just off you go. There's so much discrepancy in the quality of the board and mm. You can get inflatable boards now that are really very cheap, and it seems like a inflatable great deal. Board. They're inflatable. That doesn't sound right. They roll up. They fit in a backpack. You can throw them in the back of your car. It's are they rigid super enough? Handy. Well, that's the thing. They're you inflate them to. It's like, like a, it, it sounds like a mattress. Like it's, yeah, totally like those things that float around. Yeah, 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 exactly. Pool. They're a bit better than that, but. Um, they're you inflate them to about 18 p or 16 to 18 psi so they're quite like they're hard and they're made out of it's i don't know what kind of rubber it is but it's sturdy it's like way sturdier than just an inflatable mattress but they're still kind of bouncy so you Mm. don't get that forward glide as nicely and the higher end brands are coming up with all sorts of innovative ways to try and create the rigidity of a solid board yeah so red paddle co and starboard and some of the others they've done like these things you slot in the sides or these tension wires or various different things to help with rigidity and they are okay like those Mm. high-end inflatable boards are pretty good how they're how they're different from let's say windsurfing boards because i would i would thought that you know windsurfing guys they already figure it out right or are there any special things that are different in the stand-up paddle board that they cannot just take a you know like all the technology from the windsurfing board like oh there you go and just is it in specificity well the biggest stand-up paddle board companies manufacturers are old windsurf companies Mm -hmm. so nash and starboard are kind of like the two global leaders Mm -hmm. and they are both originally windsurf companies yes um so they have taken a lot of that windsurf knowledge with Mm -hmm. them the board shapes have started to change Mm -hmm. so like a sup surfer essentially looks like a short board it's just bigger okay so it's wider it's longer and it's thicker um okay the race boards kind of take off something more like a kayak where they're long and skinny and you get lots of volume in the nose Uh there's two different kind of noses you can get in a stand-up paddle board right either the rocker like a surfboard where it kind of curves up Mm -hmm. and that's good for waves yes or you can get what's called a displacement hull, which is kind of a pointy nose, more like mm-hmm. a boat. Mm-hmm. And that is used in flat water. It's used in downwind. It's used in races. Mm-hmm. And that cuts through the water a lot quicker. Yes. But once you start to get any waves, yes, the nose just kind of like plows through the waves yeah. instead of going over them. Yeah. So what's um, the biggest difference between windsurfing board and, and sub board? Like one biggest difference is it size? Um Yeah, size, I guess the biggest difference. I don't know, the shape. I'm not super familiar. Like I've never windsurfed myself. Mm-hmm. Um but the windsurf boards I've seen they just look They look kind of retro. <laughs> <laughs> and the 
paddle boards look more now there is a, now now the now now there is a, a lot of windsurfing guys very, <laughs> very upset upsurfing. listening to that podcast. i'm not a windsurfer so i don't really know anything You're, about you it, guys but... are using retro boards <laughs> retro boards um the ones i've seen they kind of have like they're flat on the bottom and then the so the rails on the bottom are very sharp and mm -hmm. then they kind of curve mm -hmm. and there's almost like a half moon deck oh. with like a flat area that you yeah. stand in. I don't know if that's all windsurf boards or mm -hmm. just the few that I've actually seen. Yes. Um, but the stand up boards, you'll get the flat bottom and then you'll get a flatter, wider deck for stability. Uh-huh. And yes, then, because you're still... St exactly, yeah. So if there's more volume in the rails, the board is stable, more stable. Mm -hmm. So some race boards, you'll actually see the deck where you stand is like sunken down and there's like six to eight inches of rail on mm. either side of you and you're kind of standing in like a little hollow almost. Um, so I... I guess part of it would be where the volume is on the board. So uh -huh. on a sup board, you'll get the volume right out to the rails and then it's kind of curved. Mm. Um, and on the windsurf boards that I personally have seen, the volume seems to be carried down the middle more. Right, right. Um, it's probably also because the, you have a sail that is attached there as well. Right. And with windsurfing, you're sometimes actually on waves or even if you're doing flat water just traveling kind of stuff you still have the wind and the sail and the speed of it helps mm -hmm. you with balance yes oh yes so because speed is, is totally right. different. like a bicycle the more speed you have mm -hmm. the more stable it gotcha. is gotcha kind of Okay, so as as usual in these types of things, just don't go and buy something that salesmen right. try to do sell. Some, do some research first. And unfortunately, paddle boards are quite expensive. Mm -hmm. Like a good paddle board, mm -hmm. you're easily looking to pay at least a thousand, if not more. Mm -hmm. um, but you can get secondhand ones. There are some good kind of secondhand Facebook groups um okay. or in the states because there's, there's surely plenty of people who have like 25 of those boards it's like well actually i don't need <laughs> I you don't know need all uh, 15 of them, of them. <laughs> right right and so people move on or maybe just they've changed size gotten mm -hmm. bigger gotten smaller whatever they need a different board or they've just gotten better they want a different board or they just get sick of it and they want to try mm -hmm. something new but they're still a perfectly good boards so starting out on something secondhand yeah. that's still of a good quality yeah. would be better than going to yeah. little and well, buying probably the best start is to contact you and just, just obviously get a tour and see <laughs> how it goes and, and uh, see how it goes and if not us somebody who kind of knows mm -hmm. talk to like do your research because yeah. the ocean is boss like mm -hmm. don't mess with the ocean it can go wrong fast if you don't know what you're doing hmm yes and so me yeah that's a, being new to that's it a good i don't point. i don't know what i'm doing so i'm doing the research that's basically a, that's a that's a good point that like like pretty much like with a boat right you totally you, you're less likely to harm yourself when you're on a you know surfing board or bodyboard or a mattress right. or a kayak 
<laughs> than when you get onto you know a motorboat or on a sailboat right you yeah. more likely go further and when you go and get into trouble you being can get further into worse trouble yeah. exactly but the yeah. good thing about stand-up paddleboard is that you can like you said you can try it even on the lake exactly you, you don't can need do a it wind anywhere. you don't need like you just need a little bit of water and it doesn't even need to be deep because the fins are about not like the fins on our boards are nine inches so mm. you only need 10 inches of water yeah. and you can be paddling right. so you can yeah lakes rivers yeah. ocean um and there, is it anywhere. like a, is it like a, is it like a, it, 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 did it grow did oh you mentioned there was a there's a race i was asking, yeah. asking kind of on the oh, sporting yeah. as, aspect of it so there are mainly races on so they do world championships every year wow. and the two kind of disciplines they focus on with those are races mm -hmm. so flat water speed mm -hmm. and surfing right and then it's like the world surf league kind of you know who surfs the best but you're stand up surfing instead of Right, right. um and then there's races all up and down they, they do races everywhere they do a race um kind of across london down the thames oh. they do a race in the sand in france um there's the downwind race in hawaii mm -hmm. the kind of unofficial world championships are the pacific paddle games at dana point in california Whoa. that's like stand-up pedal mecca mm. i don't i guess that's where it really exploded and kind right. of took off from there um <laughs> last year the world championships were in denmark though oh. the, they did the races in copenhagen and then the i think they call it cold water hawaii or something i or or northern oahu or mm. something like that the there's apparently good waves in denmark right. so so would you say that the sport is on the rise right now it's getting more and more popular it was exploding in popularity over the last few years it was the fastest growing water sport in the world for wow. a few years it started to level off now though the industry's mm -hmm. A mm. lot of there were loads of kind of manufacturing companies that were just popping up all over the place, mm -hmm. and now they're starting to level off. You're, it's starting to level off a bit, and you're starting to get the really good ones that are sticking around. Mm -hmm. But in Ireland, it's still, I think it's still growing in Ireland because yeah. it's, I'd say within the last ten years here is really all it's. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm living in, a, in, a, in near the coast and. While I was in the holidays in Spain, I saw more stand-up paddle boarders than in Ireland than in the in last Ireland. 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's really new to Kerry. So when mm -hmm. we set up, for this is our fourth year. So when we set up in 2016, you could rent a paddle board in the Maharis. Mm -hmm. And that was about it. But there was no kind of focus on it. Right. Since we've set up another company in Dingle set up around the same time. Mm -hmm. There's a company now in Waterville mm -hmm. that oh. set up last year. And now there's a company in Kenmare that set up last year also with oh. stand up boards. Um, so it's, so it's, it's really it's just been in the last few in years Ireland in Kerry. Well. Right. It's been around a little longer up in Sligo mm -hmm. just because the whole surf thing. And yeah. then in Dublin, it's got kind of a strong enough they yeah. do they do races and stuff in dublin yeah. 
Yeah, probably um, m more more because of the kind of concentration of around Dublin city and there's more shops and more opportunities to sell stuff and buy stuff and probably that was what was just driving that more than anything people, else. People, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. people. Yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah. Listen, so, so so what's next for you? So, um next is paddling through Jersey Sound. Mm. I'm hoping to do that Thursday or Friday is the plan it looks like i'll have the right conditions for it um and then continue working my way north and paddle this challenge mm. and then get back to work so my business partner can mm -hmm. not be quite as annoyed at me for ditching him all summer <laughs> um but I think it's well worthy. I think it's 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 worthwhile because, like you said, it's it's one it's an adventure for you, no doubt. But then, you know, raising awareness and and you you know, yeah, I think you have a quite powerful message and quite important one for people to, you know, I, I yeah. think that these days is like any uh, any type of uh, activity or or anything that can focus people on a little bit start thinking about the outdoors and start thinking about the environment and like hey we actually should protect that you know that's a, that's a big thing in a podcast where yeah where i also you know uh I, what you said it quite resonated with me is like if you like something you know if you get into fishing and you love fishing you know you start caring about the fish right yeah. what, what can i do yeah. so this fish is there right hey well right. we need to protect rivers we need to protect lakes we need to protect uh, right overfishing uh, if you overfish uh, then there's no ex fish dust ex exactly exactly and then and you can't fish anymore. exactly and I, and I and i think that goes that goes with with every single kind of outdoor activity once you're in it you try yeah. to protect it and if it's outdoors then then you're protecting outdoors which is which is nature and everyone i've spoken to um like yourself and the people I was staying with so far along this journey, anyone who spends any time outside is already kind of aware of this mm -hmm. conversation and mm -hmm. this need for yeah. change, hmm. which is great, which is really wonderful. And a lot of the people I've spoken to, they really want to do change and they're not quite sure how and... Yeah. But they're really open and game and willing and Yeah. But like you said like you ideas. said little yeah. little things, you know, I think that the, yeah. the, the, the the more people start paying attention to plastic uh you know, wrappers. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the simple things like, you know, the more they start choosing products that are not wrapped in plastic. And that's gonna follow because there's like you know yeah. management of the shops is like well you know what we 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 sell more stuff that is not wrapped in plastic let's just get more of let's that get more of that and, and it's starting to work totally like with um, little even just mm -hmm. I think it was just last year they started to have fruit and vegetables in the shops that wasn't pre-bagged and bags yeah. of plastic and it's like yeah. it's a banana like it already has a wrapping on it it's perfectly it's, hygienic it, i don't need it in it's, another it's, wrapping it's crazy because you, you're buying like a potatoes and those potatoes yeah. are not only in a, in a kind of like a plastic basket the whole plastic basket is wrapped again in the, like these are damn potatoes it's fine. it's fine i'll wash it i'll peel it whatever like i can handle it but then the other side that's the kind of obvious plastic we don't need 
But the refill shop thing, that's mm-hmm. getting more popular in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One just opened in Ballinsbethel in Cork. I spent a mm-hmm. day there waiting for weather, so I was exploring. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there's a shop there, Leafling Mercantile, I think it was called. And that's mm-hmm. a great way to buy flour and rice and kind of those basics and Mm -hmm. you just bring in it's really for me it's really easy to get caught in oh i want like a kitchen full of those like nice kilner like snap lid (laughs) jars it's beautiful and well displayed but like you could go in with an old yogurt container and Mm -hmm. just like put rice in it and it's fine yes and then at least you're reusing Mm -hmm. the plastic that was already produced or i started making my own toothpaste recently Mm -hmm. tell me tell us about that because i saw your instagram (laughs) you saw your instagram story you know i i saw uh I saw your toothbrush, which is yeah. which is uh, bamboo, I think. It's to, bamboo. To... So the bristles are plastic, mm-hmm. but they're recyclable. Mm-hmm. So after the toothbrush has run its course, you take the bristles out, put them in the recycling, and the handle is compostable. Mm. So you can just throw it in the brown bin if yeah. you have a brown bin. Yeah. Um, or if you just put it in the landfill, at least it's not going to end up killing a tortoise or mm. something. Um the toothpaste thing came about i wanted to try and do this whole journey zero waste Mm -hmm. so i started doing some actual research into how to go zero waste and it's totally doable but it's Mm -hmm. quite hard Mm -hmm. and so i am sorry to say that my journey is not 100 percent zero waste Mm -hmm. i've definitely produced some but i'm i'm minimizing it anyway so the toothpaste thing then also came about because I was looking at all the scary stuff that's in. I've always been dubious of fluoride. Like the mm-hmm. research behind fluoride and mm-hmm. cavities is so mm-hmm. lame at best that I was like, Is Ireland eh? still flu- fluorating water? That's what I hear. Yeah, it's one of the lost countries in the world. That like, pretty <laughs> it's not a thing. There's like no science behind this, guys. What? <laughs> Why? Um, so I just figured I'd give it a go mm-hmm. and it's kind of mm-hmm. nice so yeah i'm still working through the first batch so i'm gonna yeah try it again you can experiment with it a bit but it's the recipe i just googled the recipe and there's loads of different ones you can get but what i did was a bit of magnesium powder because minerals are good um baking soda because mm-hmm. it yeah is like the best cleaner in the world baking yeah. soda and white vinegar and mm-hmm. some warm water and you mm-hmm. basically don't need anything else mm-hmm. um bentonite clay because it absorbs toxins and stuff mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. i don't know it kills the bacteria it's cool mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cool stuff um coconut oil just for because it's a thing um a bit of water i put a little salt in it mm-hmm. i use himalayan salt mm-hmm. because it's the best one because it's the best salt because sea salt which still has the trace minerals also has loads of plastic in it. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Like 16 out of 17 sea salts tested are positive for plastic. So mm-hmm. then you're just eating plastic. Mm-hmm. Gross. So anyway, I go with the Himalayan salt because there's no plastic in it because there was no plastic back then. Um, and the trace minerals. And then a little bit of peppermint oil just because mm-hmm. minty freshness. Right. And then just mix it up and I have it in a little glass jar. And, and toothbrush. toothbrush. So far it works. Really? I mean, I great i guess we'll see in a few years time if i have loads of cavities (laughs) but 
I'm sure, I'm sure if, if 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 ever it's not because of that toothpaste. <laughs> There's it's probably all the I don't know Harry Bow I was eating or something else. <laughs> uh, listen, Una. So just to wrap this up, tell us uh, yeah. how people can get in touch with you, how they can get in touch with your you know business to uh, you know go on the on a sub tour and how to follow and how to follow you on your journey around the wide Atlantic way. Cool. So um, Instagram is probably my strongest platform. And the handle is at Una Goes Wild. And Una is O-O-N-A. I'm also on Twitter. I've just absconded the business Twitter account, which is <laughs> at Wild Sup Tours, S-U-P. Um, and then doing some on Facebook, same at Wild Sup Tours or my own Facebook account. Um, and then my kind of like expedition webpage, so to say, mm -hmm. is on the Wild Sup Tours website. And that's wildsuptours.com forward slash Una Goes Wild. And on the webpage, there's like a live tracker and you can see where I am in every 15 minutes. It updates my while you're on the, while you're on the while water while i'm on the water okay. so i turn it off when it's i not have not updates your location right now <laughs> exactly i've turned it off for now <laughs> nobody needs to see me sit in my house you need to remember like to turn days. it off oh damn it i did i forgot <laughs> i did that it was one of the first days um it was the first long day of paddling mm. i got in and one of the local surfers in west court came to meet me at this random spot he picked me up he had a roof rack on his board He drove me back to his house in Clonakilty and um, my sister-in-law saw on the web tracker that I was like all of a sudden zooming towards Clonakilty <laughs> and she called Ed up and was like, is she okay? Is she going to casualty? Like, what's wrong? Oh, Jesus. So, She's yeah. like, oh, something <laughs> bad happened. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, but it was okay. It was Anders being a champion. Um So yeah, I turn it off or I try and remember when I'm off the water, turn it off. But yeah, when I'm on the water, you can track my... It's great. And then I'm blogging about it also. And that's the news section on the Wild Sub Tours webpage. Okay. So wildsubtours.com is a good place to kind of start. That's a start and take yeah, it from there. Exactly. Um, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you very much. You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.